Hi guys, welcome to the Advanced Practice Perspectives. I'm Trisha Williams. And I'm Toby O'Brien. This is a podcast created by Advanced Practice Providers for Advanced Practice Providers. We will be highlighting our amazing APPs here at Children's Mercy and do some education along the way. We are so glad that you're joining us today. So sit back, tune in, and let's get started. Today, I am so excited to introduce to you all Lara Coral. She is a nurse practitioner at Children's Mercy in Neurology, specifically the Headache Clinic. Thank you for joining us today, Laura. Thanks, guys, for having me. Yeah. So Laura and I met during the Academy for Professional Development, which you guys have all heard us talk a lot about. And I just found Laura, her story of how she decided to become a nurse practitioner, super interesting. And so I'm hoping that today she will share with you guys a little bit about her background and how she landed here at Children's Mercy as a nurse practitioner. So Laura, tell us about you. It's always hard when people say, so tell me your background, because it's always like I can go so deep into the story and then we could be here for hours. So I'm always like, how do I make my story a nutshell? But I think in terms of trying right. to figure out my path to the headache clinic, um, if you want me to expand in any area, let me know. But I think it's always important to know that, um, so I'm part Japanese. I grew up in Japan. Um, I went to an international school. Everyone always like, why do you speak English? So that's usually why I have to explain that part. <laughs> and then um, I always thought, actually, I was going to go to law school. Um, and so I was kind of in the pre-law track. I don't know, Toby, if I ever mentioned that. But that's why I was a... Uh, I actually had an undergrad major in political science and Russian. Um, so there's the tangent, why Russian? Um, so since I speak Japanese, the languages I was interested in were actually Chinese and Russian um, because I had gone to Russia at one point and uh, I couldn't communicate. Whereas being Japanese and American, I could always speak one or the other languages wherever I was and communicate. And I didn't like that. I couldn't communicate when I was in Russia. So sure? I was like, well, you know, I better learn Russian next time I have a chance. So either way. Um, which I heard is not a, which I heard was not an easy language to learn by any Yes, I know. And, um, but I was really interested in international relations, you know, growing up in Japan and being um, uh, two different country citizens and whatnot. Um, but I really liked uh, political science. So I kind of figured, you know, okay, that's kind of the route I was going to take. Um, I went to Duke University and majored in political science and Russian. Um, but when I graduated, uh, I went to DC, kind of a good place to be to do international work. Um, but I noticed that without some type of a skill, you did a lot more paperwork and um, a lot of grants and just, I really like hands-on work and working with people. and. Um, by chance, I worked at a nonprofit that was partnering doctors uh, between America, so the United States physicians and nurses, and former Soviet Union countries, um, and to help develop their programs to improve quality of life and healthcare in these countries. So I got to work as the administrative person in this nonprofit, working between these partnerships, and um, that was kind of my first take on seeing nurses or physicians in action internationally. And that kind of really piqued my interest. So of course, at this point, I've had an undergrad degree and I'm like, well, what do I do from here? Um, and of course, there was the great <laughs> nursing shortage. Um, and I was like, oh, you know, I worked with a lot of great RNs. I'm going to go and get my nursing degree. Um, 
And it may not sound um, great, but then I got my mom saying, so you have all these loans from your undergrad and you're going to go and do a nursing degree? So I was like, uh, is there any kind of program that would fit the scenario? And then I found the um, Yale University program for people actually that did um, study something completely different. Um, it's called the Geppen Graduate Entry Pre-Specialty Nursing Program at Yale. Um, and it, they actually want you to have been working somewhere else, have no nursing background. Um, that's kind of who they want to then help you educate and learn to be a nurse practitioner. Um, love the program. It was awesome. Um, I feel like I'm going on and on, but do you want me to keep going? <laughs> no, I, I think it's super fascinating, which is what piqued my interest about you. Right. So um, I love taking care of people. And of course, I wanted to save the world. Who doesn't? So I wanted to be right. a family nurse practitioner. So I wanted to be able to take care of everybody. So I went to the FMP track. And as you learn and you know, not being an RN first, that first year honestly was the hardest year, right? Learning all the mm-hmm. RNs, clinicals and things like that. And then you have two years of master's to be the MP. Um, I ended up becoming a National Health Service Corps scholar. And this is kind of the also tangent story that Toby probably remembers. Um, so I couldn't drive. I, I'm from Japan. You, you have trains and buses. You don't drive. <laughs> So at this point, I'm in grad school and I can't drive. That was the other thing, going to a nursing program. I need to go like a city, right? Um, so being a scholar, you have to um, either serve in inner city or rural America at, upon your graduation. Um, so they said, if you're used to inner city, which that's where Yale is, is inner city, um, you need to go rural. And I'm like, but I can't drive not to come back to that part. so, so um, they're like so they're, I have to be able to get there not drive in a rural area right so they placed me in um, an Alaskan island um, if anyone has ever heard of Dutch Harbor because of deadliest catch um, that's the one that I think people know of but those are the, the Aleutian Island chains off of mainland Alaska um, they have a little island called Sandpoint there. So driving around was not necessary. You could walk around the entire island. So I ended up serving there <laughs> to do my rural rotation. Um, so anyway, I, I... How long were you there? <laughs> that was my summer. It's a summer... Uh, I don't know what they called it, but you do it as a summer thing in between when you're still in school as a scholar. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it was like summer solstice or like where it was beautiful. It was very long exactly. Of daylight. Exactly. Yeah. It was the best time to be in Alaska. Yeah. So. Oh, cool. Wow, your yeah. life is fascinating. Okay. Keep going. This and is great. So I, of course, you learn the most when you're in the middle of nowhere. Um, I always think it's funny to say um, I've traveled a lot of different places. That's been a blessing. Um, you know, growing up in Japan, I try to hit different countries in Asia and. Um, anyway, I've been a lot of places, but the most rural and isolated place I'd ever been is what I'd say was Sandpoint, Alaska. Um, just you're two and a half hours away by flight to Anchorage. Um, you know, so you, the things you see in health and community and social and psych issues, um, I learned a lot there. Um, so that was really, really neat. Um, but I ended up also meeting my husband there. So that's also kind of... Oh, I don't think I knew that. Okay. (laughs) Yes, he's not from Alaska. He's from Rochester, New York, but he happens to be a radio person. Um, So he was uh, out in Alaskan islands. That's actually a really important job because you're kind of telling the fishermen about weather. It's a new source for the entire island. So it's kind of a different picture of what you would think of of a radio um, here in the mainland. But anyway, um, we ended up meeting there. Um, and I won't go into that tangent, but essentially we're married. And <laughs> so, 
Um, I don't even know. Living a life of wedded I know, right? It's like, how do I explain all this? And so I, after my, I, we ended up serving in, you know, so from where in Alaska, right? You're like, I can't even picture this on a map. Right. Where am I going to serve my rural um, scholarship? But Sedalia, Missouri. There goes Missouri oh, comes into this perfect. picture. How does that happen, yes. right? Um, <laughs> honestly, I thought we were going to go back to Alaska. That's where I thought I was going to work upon graduation. Um, but they took too long, and I needed to start having an income. Um, and uh, sure. Sedalia, Missouri was starting a community health center, and the CEO there was awesome, and the doc I was going to learn under there was awesome. So, you know, it's always good to learn under the right people. So we, we picked sure. up and moved Correct. to Sedalia, and I spent – um, good five years there, you know, learning primary care and community health center. And um, I, I just loved it. Honestly, I love primary care. Um, I'm, I was a big diabetes, hypertension, cholesterol, overall wellness type, typical primary care, if you will. But we, I loved it. Um, and, and you'll like this tangent. So guess what came in handy in Sedalia, Missouri, from everything I just told you? <laughs> You'll never guess. Um, Russian. Oh, good job. Russian. Good job. How does that happen, right? <laughs> did it really? There was a Ukrainian population there um, who did oh not trust goodness. doctors or anybody, really, um, I would say, because, you know, that's a close-knit community. And, uh, right. of course, I can speak some conversational Russian. I wasn't fluent compared to Japanese by any means. But then we could develop a relationship. And it was just really neat because it was always like, oh, I want to go see my Laura, you know. And... Who knew? Yeah. But yeah, for five years, I treated oh, that community. Um, and that was really neat. Um, so mm-hmm. go ahead. <laughs> so how did you how did you land in the headache clinic at Children's Mercy Hospital from this vast experience <laughs> that you have? Like, we are so fortunate to have everything that you have to offer and give it to our population oh, of thank patients. You. But how how did you make that transition? I'll try and fast forward it fast. So I went from the community health center <laughs> to um, now my poor husband, who's like, you know, going along with my whims, right? Oh, we're going here. We're going there because right. of my career. Um, it was kind of his turn. So um, he was in radio, like I told you, but his actual undergrad degree was public administration. So he ended up, um, he um, started working for the city of Sedalia and ended up um, transitioning his career into city administration. So he took a job becoming a city administrator. and We moved to the outskirts of Memphis, Tennessee for that, for his career. So I just continued um, primary care, but this time out of community health center into the private sector because that's when I was raising two little ones at that point. And so it was a good you know, balance of continuing what I know, but also letting him take off on his career and continue my, at that point now, it'll be 12 years of primary care experience. Um, and this is where your, Trisha, your answer comes in. So after that, um, I was starting to get burnt out, I guess, you know, I know that's kind of a common term these days for many reasons. Um, but you know, it's a real term. (laughs) I know it's just how many more patients can you squeeze in, you know, seeing like 11 in the morning, 11 in the afternoon, Um, and you're not addressing one diagnosis, but everything, right. Plus the psych and everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was getting tired. Um, but I also was getting discouraged for my patients and myself because I didn't want to just prescribe the fifth medication for diabetes. I really try to work on the lifestyle and the eating and the physical activity. Um, my favorite population at that point to work with was the metabolic syndrome group. 
because I felt like there was a chance for me to help, you know, avoid the type two diabetes mm-hmm. diagnosis and things like that. So I had, I really worked on like um, eating healthy and Toby will tell you that was kind of like my big areas, like the, how do we eat, um, yeah. uh, like food for medicine mm-hmm. concept, if you will. And how do we just, um, thrive, not just, uh, treat disease, if you will. Um, so, uh, by chance, <laughs> my daughter, not a good thing, um, ended up in the children's hospital at Memphis with osteomyelitis. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that just happens. Oh, and um, our week-long stay there, I fell in love with that hospital. I thought they were amazing. They were doing really good work. And I'm like, I want to work here. I just, I, I, I think this will be a good switch. Um, but I didn't know, you know, after fa- so many years in primary care, what does that mean? Um, and then at that point, the neurology group at Le Bonheur was looking specifically for people or someone to help start the headache clinic at Le Bonheur, um, Memphis, uh, Tennessee. Um, and they really wanted someone to focus on the nutrition and wellness and education piece, um, not just the medication side. So the uh, nurse practitioner that was in that position um, hired me to help develop that program, um, which was amazing and exciting, um, along with a new headache uh, specialist at that point. Um, and him and I together, we were developing the program there from like scratch. Um, And so I got to be there for about two years. um, And we were running into a lot of obstacles. Um, I don't know um, how to kind of talk about that. But for example, like the acupuncture program um, at the headache clinic here is absolutely amazing. But I was even just trying to explain to them that acupuncture can help decrease pain. And it's a really good um, treatment for a lot of people with headaches. Um, so I brought in a medical acupuncturist to come and talk to our neurology group. And I, I started doing things like that, but it was so in the infant stage, um, as Dr. Bickle would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and when my husband, and I was the reason we moved out from Memphis, again, he got another city administration job out here in, um, Riverside, Missouri. And when we did that, I was like, well, I really love working in the headache clinic. I really like the specialty. I did do general neuro, actually. It wasn't just headache clinic when I was there just because we needed more people to do general as well. So I did get to do both, but I leaned on the he- headache very heavily. So, and then by chance, and this is what Toby likes, that's part of the story, is he got accepted his job. I looked it in line and I just, like, I don't even know if it was indie, but you know, it was just a generic something. And it said headache clinic, Children's Mercy Kansas. I said, are you kidding me? Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of stopped there. I feel like I've been going a mile a minute. So I don't know if any of that speaks to you all. Yeah, I don't. No, I, that is. Yeah, I think that it's perfect. I love such it. A, such a cool background. And then how you landed here, it kind of seems like a perfect fit for you. So, yeah. So tell us about how what your role is like here. Well, it was so then, and kind of that yeah. was just like the perfect meeting for yeah. um, Dr. Bickle was looking for someone and you happen to be just like that a perfect person. Well, you know, and it's funny because when I started trying to develop the headache clinic out in Memphis and I did my research and this is something now I'm being on this side I want to work on is I couldn't find the Children's Mercy Kansas headache clinic. Like it didn't pop up at the time because, um, gosh, if I had seen that, I would have totally contacted one of my current colleagues and be like, hey, tell me what works, what doesn't. And at the time, whenever, however many years ago that was, it didn't come up in my searches as much as like kind of the big name hospitals at the time. Um, So 
It was really neat, though, that once I found it and I dug into it, I couldn't believe the program Dr. Bickle had made. And she always is like, it's because it's 10 years from what you were trying to do. I'm like, oh, okay. That makes me feel a little better because I'm like sure. trying so hard to go over here. And then we were stuck over here, you know. Um, so sure. Yeah, she's worked. It's been so much a part of what she's created here, right? I don't even know how long it was, how long ago was the headache clinic developed at Children's Mercy? Do you guys know how old it is? I am not sure because she and one of my MP colleagues saw headache on their own without that title for a while. And okay. then I know she, I, I, last I heard, I heard her saying something about 12 years. So. Okay. Um, that sounds right. I think the unique. I know that Go it's. Ahead. No, I know that it's been in fruition longer than six years because my daughter visited the headache clinic <laughs> with one of your colleagues about six years yes. ago. So I know that it's been longer yeah, than that. I think it's at <laughs> least 10. Um, but what's cool about this headache clinic is the layers. I think headache management is one of those things that's so complicated um, but can have so many ways to treat, um, not just a medication. And that's what I love about this diagnosis. Um, I always tell kiddos, you know, yes, you have headaches and we're going to work on it, but let's look at the whole picture. And then we start going into, you know, yes, how much are you eating? What are you eating? Um, how much do you drink? What stresses you out? Let's talk about sleep. Let's talk about the quality of sleep. I mean, it's just such an overview of everything. It's like perfect. And then at the same time, it's still primary care for me because so many times we will get um, different scenarios. Um, like I think one time I had a type two diabetic that had just become type two and she was getting a lot of hypoglycemia. Um, but just because of the way it fell, she hadn't seen a follow-up person. So she ended up being in the headache clinic for it and it turned out it was her sugar. So you have to still kind of keep in mind it could be something mm -hmm. else, right? Um, so I like that I can make sure to not assume it's something else um, all the time. Yeah, we see some headache kiddos in the ENT department, you know, and we kind of share those patients because they present with vertigo or yes. tinnitus. And then we have to rule out the inner ear abnormalities yes. first and then try to do just, a, you know, we do the baseline education. Like, are you yeah. drinking enough water? Do you drink a lot of caffeine? Right. What kind of foods are you eating? What kind of foods to avoid kind right. of thing? And then we send them to you guys to help with mm -hmm. all of that um, ongoing management. So it's interesting how we share these patients because of potential, the differential diagnosis of what a headache is and how it presents us so vast. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So it's interesting. Yes. So tell us a little bit about how the headache clinic works, um, kind of, and about maybe even in general, so neurology is a pretty big section, mm -hmm. right? Because there's not just the headache clinic. There's other stuff kind of like ENT. We're a pretty big section. Yeah. Um, so are there are there many of you that do the headache clinic? Yes, yes. Um, there's several. Like nurse practitioner-wise? Yes, yes. There's a good team of us MPs um, that are kind of the first-line headache provider. Uh, we're also very open okay. access. That was part of Jen Bickle's um, vision is like we don't want to – create barriers, right? So you want to have access. Right. So we will get self-referral headachers. And those are the ones especially that I get nervous about because usually it is a lot of times something primary care could have dealt with. Um, but sometimes they're sure. appropriate um, and we can get them treated correctly as well. Um, so, but we are the ones that they will see first when it's a headache um, and only headache. If there's a secondary neuro concern, sometimes it'll go to our general neurologists. Um, but we do also get general neurologists within our department once they establish that it's 
only headache, we'll send to the headache clinic for management as well. So it helps the neurologist be able to see the other specialist need, if you will. I see. Yes. And then okay, um, that makes sense. If we can't, after our many levels and treatment um, options, if the headache is progressing and not doing well, and we just, it's causing a lot of dysfunction like missed school, we refer internally to our comprehensive headache clinic, um, which involves that multidisciplinary, having the pain psychologist, social work, and a neurologist all looking at this case to try to see what we can do to improve function. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so what about the acupuncture? I mean, tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about like, besides what all is available within the headache clinic for you guys to, yeah, yeah. to offer for families. Do you know much about the acupuncture program at Children's Mercy in general? No. Do you? Uh, Do you, Trisha? No, I do not. And I would love to hear about it as probably our listeners Um, as well. uh, Dr. Jen Bickle, Dr. Jen Diltz, and Dr. Anna Esperham are three physicians that are trained in medical acupuncture, which is a advanced acupuncture program offered to physicians and takes like a year to complete. Um, uh, anyway, they can actually do the a big scope of acupuncture. Um, I wanted to mention that because that's just neat that we have that within our headache department and there is appointments available, again, through us to refer to them for that. But the other cool factor um, that Dr. Diltz and Esperham and Bickle have created is the RED physicians have a basic acupuncture curriculum they can do to try to decrease pain medication at ER visits. And they can actually do... um, there's two versions of basic acupuncture. One is called the battlefield and the other is called four gates. But essentially one is an ear acupuncture and then the other one is um, inserting needles, uh, one in each hand and one in each foot. Um, and that's the four gates. And the idea is to open up um, the chi, if you will, of, um, and letting the energy flow and thereby decreasing pain. Both of those basic acupuncture techniques are open for RED physicians to learn, and actually um, they use it in our ER right now. Um, it's really neat. Wow. Um, yeah. Now, are there any advanced practice providers that are credentialed to do acupuncture at Children's Mercy? So um, one of our pain rehab MPs, um, she developed uh, the privilege um, program at Children's Mercy, and it just went to, it just happened in this past year, pre-COVID, if you will. And she is trained. She's actually a medical acupuncturist as well. But because of Missouri's law on MPs and collaborations, it gets very complicated because you have to have a physician that's also trained in that. And as you can see, that's mm-hmm. a pretty hard thing. Um, so to answer your question, we have one MP that has that in pain, but I believe she's waiting for her physician in pain to finish so that she can practice with him. Um, so my collaborating is Dr. Anna Asperham, who's one of the medical acupuncturists. So I've been, um, trying to also get that privilege, um, right now. And I'm really excited. Um, I think I'm almost there. <laughs> um, but that is yeah, so I can do the basic though. She did train me to do the basic cause I work at the headache treatment center, which I think we hadn't talked about, but that's the other wing of this whole headache clinic. That's really neat that we do. Um, that's the urgent care headache treatment center. Do you guys need me to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, tell us yeah. a bit about that. I yeah. would love so to. now we talked about kind of the first line headache provider, and then we talked about the comprehensive for improving function. Um, so we also have the, we've used all our medications, and we still have this really long headache, and we don't want to go to the ER. 
um, group of folks. So really cool, nationally okay. amazing. Um, we can, uh, because there, this doesn't exist as far as I know nationally. Um, but so you can call the nurse line and we can schedule you a same day or next day headache treatment option. And we are at the moment on College Boulevard location. We used to be in Overland Park, Kansas, but for space, we went to College Boulevard. Um, and we do IVs, injections, um, and acupuncture, uh, along with other treatments like neuromodulation um, at this headache treatment center to try to break a headache that you can't break at home and that you don't want to go to the urgent care or ER. Or you've already been there. This happens a lot. We've already been there. And then they go to go to HTC for further management for acute treatment. Wow, that is so great for these families, for these yeah. poor kids. Yeah. Man, how nice to have that. Yeah, a scheduled appointment. And also, it's cool that you're working with headache practitioners that can look at it a little differently. Because um, we can sometimes, honestly, I'd say for me, when I work there, um, more than half the time, I'm not using IVs. We're using other ways to decrease the headache. And that's kind of neat, too. Absolutely. That sounds... <laughs> I just, I'm in awe of you right now. Just in awe. <laughs> oh, awe. Um, I can definitely tell that you are, you know, extremely passionate about this specialized area that you have found your niche, yeah. your little, I call them little God winks. <laughs> um, tell us what is your, if you could pick one thing that is your favorite about working with the headache clinic or this particular population of patients, what would it be? Oh, that's hard. Um, it's so rewarding because, you know, people come to you in that pain state or usually a lot of times it's been a year of headaches because they've just been throwing Tylenol ibuprofen at it. Um, but when we address it with the parent, if you will, and realize it isn't something we just have to throw medicines on and it might be a simple fix like low iron or all you needed was a, maybe a vitamin supplement. The, it's so that release or that um, from that parent, you know, as a parent myself, seeing that like, oh, thank goodness. Like, that's really rewarding. <laughs> um, and then on the flip side mm -hmm. for the child um, who's just been kind of living with this and you can see it that, you know, they don't want to be a bother maybe to the parent or they're kind of getting tired going to the nurse. But then it's so much more you can do. And I'm always like, oh, I wish you'd come see me sooner. <laughs> it's a common thing. I'm like, we have so many ways to make this better, guys. And it, it, it just, they leave happy. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's so nice to be able to have such hope for them right they may not even know that this is an option that they mm -hmm. think gosh i did not even know that children's mercy would be able to do all of this for my headache i'm mm -hmm. sure that is really nice to see families or to see the child actually having relief and knowing that it wasn't all these medications i mean perhaps sometimes it has to be yes. but yes. that there are other options yes yes well, gosh, we so appreciate you and you sharing all of your expertise. I mean, really, this is your expertise Thank area. You. <laughs> you, yeah. Um, so we are so, so happy to highlight you and your background. I mean, really, who goes to Duke and knows Russian and then lives in Alaska? And anyway, <laughs> it's hard to explain. See, it's a cool. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's impossible. Um, but <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, but Children's Mercy well, is great, we, right? And you all are great. I mean, the MP group here is so awesome. I think you've mentioned it's just so energizing to be a part of that. 
Yeah, we and we're lucky in ENT really too. Just, is. just like as you had mentioned, all of the docs that you work with, we have, I mean, awesome surgeons in ENT. That's how we get to do what we yes. get to do because yes. they really have been so supportive and yes. helpful and stuff. So it's nice to have a good group in general that we work with at Children's yes. for sure. Definitely. Well, we love to end each episode. I mean, we could talk forever, but I think we probably. <laughs> yeah, we probably need to. Yeah. <laughs> right. We'll wrap it up. So we would love to know um, some fun or outrageous way you have taken on the challenges of life in 2020. So it doesn't sound maybe that crazy because everyone seems to have a dog, but we ended up getting a dog <laughs> during COVID. Um, as soon as we knew we were going to be home for three months and we had to cancel spring break, the kids have wanted a puppy, but I never thought we'd have time to train it. So I'm like, well, here we are, three months at home, so we're going to do it. We better do it. Um, and we have a Siberian Husky uh, puppy, and uh, he's loving the snow today. So <laughs> Nice. Oh, those are beautiful It forces dogs. us to beautiful be active. Dogs. I mean, it really has. It's easy to, you know, hunker down, go on your screens, and we have no choice with this Husky. We are out and about every day. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love it. Plus, having a pet decreases depression, I heard. So yeah. Everybody needs a good pet. He's very life. soft to pet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. Well, Laura, thanks again You're so welcome. much for uh, you sharing guys. your expertise and spending your afternoon it with was us. <laughs> but listeners, thanks for tuning in today. Our next episode will feature Anne Madison. Come listen as we talk with her about her role in the PCC clinic and her thoughts on COVID versus flu. We will also be talking about the flu vaccination and how to debunk the myths around it. If you have a topic you would like to hear about or you're interested in being a guest on this podcast, just please reach out to us. Email us at tdobrien at cmh.edu or you can email Trisha at twilliams at cmh.edu. And once again, guys, thanks so much for listening to the Advanced Practice Perspective podcast.